Welcome to the sixth media circus that is the Off Message podcast. This time round, I met with Michael O'Keefe, bossman at the BAI, the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, the semi-state body responsible for regulating and overseeing the home-produced radio and television we all listen to and watch here. During our chat, Michael revealed the BAI's origins in Ireland's murky pirate radio past, how they deal with programme complaints, where they get their funding and how they spend it, their wooing of international London-based broadcasters pre-Brexit, the growing appetite for podcasts here, hurrah, and their take on plurality in the Irish broadcast media. Enjoy. Michael O'Keefe, CEO of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. There's a title and a half. Uh, thank you for inviting me into the headquarters of the BAI. Um, most people who uh, people who work in the media will know what the BAI is. Mm. Those who don't haven't a clue. What is it? Well, it's a regulatory body. So first and foremost, I suppose we were we were set up and we were set up way back actually when we were in our first. Uh, What's way back? Back in, 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 in the IRTC was the first body. That was back in 1988, would mm. you believe? Um, that was established basically to license uh, commercial radio and television stations. It was That was the, really the only function it had at that point. So RT had been going for donkey's years yes, yeah. and someone saw that commercial broadcasting was around the corner yeah there was i mean there was you you'll re, you you might remember pat i certainly do anyway <laughs> that there were there were pirate radio stations uh, have in, for one of them in the 1970s briefly. and in particular in the 1980s uh, quite a significant number of them and all, all over through, the country all over the country all through the 1980s the government of the day talked about bringing in a licensing regime and there were different i mean there's, there's a great great story to be told about about the um what happened because originally the intention was that RT would be involved. They would a bit like the BBC involved in local radio in the UK. Um, there was also then there was going to, going to be a small number of them. I think there was a consultant's report back in the mid 1980s which said the country could really only sustain about four of them wow. uh, in the sort of the major uh, urban areas. And so that was an initial thought that wasn't pursued. And in particular because there were so many stations around the country. So what do you do for the, the rest of the country? So eventually, after a lot of probably wrangling through the 1980s... Political uh, wrangling. This would have political, been going It was political scenes. wrangling. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, there was... I an, want a radio station in my area. Yeah, but there was the other thing is that if you remember uh, in the 1980s, there was a coalition government of Fine Gael and Labour. I think in the, at the time, the Labour elements of the government wanted to have RT having a role in the okay. new the new sector. The Fine Gael element didn't. Uh, and eventually it really didn't happen until the government changed and it was the government uh, led by the late Mr. Charles J. Hoy, um and the with the minister, uh, Mr. Ray Burke. I remember. Uh, you remember them well, who brought in the... Uh, the uh, commercial radio and television regime. So that was how we started, was the IRTC was established at the time. This was about 89? Late 98. Or sorry, late 88, 88 I beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it started at that time. Our function, our task, uh, and I, I came in as a, a young, young, a youth, a mere youth. I wasn't we uh, were in, all in mere this. Youth we were then. all mere youths then, Pat. Uh, so I came in uh, and, and effectively we, we, were, we went around the country 
having oral hearings for local radio stations. There was to be a total of 25 of them. Mm-hmm. The other, two other interesting pieces, because they're relevant to, to today, the government decided that it wanted alternative national stations. It, the original plan never envisaged, it, it envisaged a local radio regime only. Ah. And the government decided they wanted an alternative to RTE on a national level, so as well as local. So they introduced in the bill the notion of having a local, a, a national commercial radio and television station, which, as you know, today is uh, the is TV three. To the took long a long story, time to long, get going, long yeah. time to yeah, get yeah. going, but but but, but they, Century was the and Century Radio uh, was to be the national radio station. Now that, as you know, had a again we could have an entire podcast on yeah. Century Radio. It short lived. It was short-lived. Um, Oliver and Barry was he? Oliver Barry. Music uh, promoter. Music promoter, a man called Jim Stafford, the uh, late Jim Stafford, a uh, Wexford businessman, and uh, they had people like Terry Wogan and others That's involved. Right. Uh, interesting thing about Century, and I won't dwell on it too much, was that when it closed, it had, uh, it had uh, ratings of about 14%, which, which bad. in this day and age isn't bad. So the the feeling was that had they been able to just give it a bit more and sustain it a little bit longer, it could have been a very, very successful station. Because starting a station is a rocky process. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it didn't happen. But in any event, I, I'm, I'm digressing somewhat to go back to the But IRT let's site. digress one step further. Oh, on, I, yeah. I, I owe my broadcasting career to Century Radio, even though I didn't get a gig there. Oh, right, right. Because yeah. uh, the bald Marty Whelan yes. left 2FM... And you go got into century. his spot. Not in 2FM, but RT decided, uh, and I'm putting this in huge inverted commas in case they sue me, to make an example of him. Right. right and he lost right. three television gigs. That's right. That's he right, lost yeah, a music yeah. program called Video File, which Gareth O'Callaghan took over. Yep. Didn't last very long. Mm. He, he uh, lost Where in the World, which Theresa Lowe took over and made her own for, yes, for many for a long year. Yeah, that's right. And he lost Head to Toe. Yep. And that's where... And that, that's the rest, as they the, say, is my story. The rest and is my story. History. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so we, I mean, the first couple of years was very much the licensing. Just, okay. just moving from a, a, an illegal regime, which is the pirate regime, mm-hmm. to a licensing regime. And it was an exciting time. Like 25 new radio stations in different parts of the country. Um, there was, and, and just that change. I mean, there was a big change for people who'd been in the... I suppose in in the the illegal regime, moving into the legal, and and some of them, I mean, some of them are still there today, like the likes of Paul Claffey down in Midwest Radio. Mm. He was in the pirate era. Some He's would say, there. of course, that because they were breaking the law, they shouldn't have been left near legal commercial radio. And the way that was dealt with at the time, it was it's fair point. Uh, the way that it was dealt with, which I think was fair, because I mean, there was no other regime, only only the the, the illegal one. And was these that guys had all the experience. They were required to close down. Right. Uh, they all closed on. The thirty first of December, nineteen eighty eight. Okay, and if they closed, then, then it was if you like the the, the slate was wiped clean. The other they element didn't have to get down on their knees and beg forgiveness. No, but they they had, they had to do one other thing, which was they had to um, ensure that they had complied with revenue commissioners. Ah, so paid and, all their tax, and that did knock out one particular group who had been very popular in Cork. Oh. in the nineteen eighties. And I can't can, remember can their names. Oh, I was now. going to say, can we name names? You but, just can't uh, remember. I can't them. remember the name, but it was a it was a group who had been running a very successful um, pirate station in Cork during the nineteen eighties, and they were the raging red hot favourites oh, wow. for the license when it came to the, the the licensing process, and they didn't make it. And our chairman at the time was the late Judge Henshey, 
and he asked them at the oral hearing asked them three or four times were they going to how they were going to deal with the revenue commissioners unwisely in my view they answered by saying that was a separate company but the judge was having ah, none of that okay, yeah, yeah. and whereas other guys if they were asked that question would have said of course we will deal with our obligations and then that addressed it. So they were the, the if, if wow, you did okay. those things, you didn't yeah, have yeah. to go on your bended knee, but if you did those things, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you would you would make it. And so the, the regime started. Um, it was um, initially so very successful listenership-wise because people had the listenership from their pirate day. Mm. The one thing that they didn't really uh, count on was the costs involved in running a legitimate station. And in the first couple of years, it was it was very tough. Well, you guys, as regulators, would have laid down both content and technical standards yes, that they yeah. suddenly had to adhere to. Everything had to be complied with that mm. may, you, you might have had a, a little bit lax, shall we say, in, in, in the old days. So that was a bit of, that was a culture shock as well as everything else. And only the strong survived and came through that. Or as the I said, cute. Or the cute. Well, the, the strong, I mean, certainly they're, I mean, the two I think of are, are I mentioned Paul Claffey and the other is Des Whelan, who's running uh, WLR since then and is still running it today. Mm. Um, and it was just that they, they, they managed the, how, how I would put it, Pat, is that they managed the transition better than others yes. in terms of from okay. the, the illegal that to the covers legal a myriad regime. of sins. Covers a myriad. Yeah, covers yeah, yeah, yeah. A, so it was, I suppose, the, the early 90s was tough enough um, mm. for the sector getting established. TV3, we had a long-running saga with TV3. How long did that take to get up it, and running? It took until 1990. It would be 20 years old in September. Okay. Um, but it, there were five years, and we, we had a, a very difficult court case, which we lost, the, the IRTC at the that. time. We, we took the licence from them because we felt that they weren't, in a, they weren't going to be able to deliver it. Before they started Before broadcasting. Before they started. And um, it was, a, I mean, again, another podcast, we can, we can talk about that at length. It was a very lengthy and painful court case, but a good lesson for mm. uh, a young regulator like we were as to how we, we, we deal with and how we treat our, um, our regulated entities. That okay. I think natural justice, fairness, correct procedures, all of those things which are a great learning for you as a regulator, mm. I think we, we would have learned them. So was there a degree of naivety when you started as a regulator? I suppose we, we would have relied as well on, we had uh, the the chairman at the time was a former Supreme Court judge. We would mm. have relied on him in terms of fair procedures. And he, you know, he was he, he had many, many strengths. He was, I think, the, he ran the licensing process very well. But in that particular one, he I think he probably got it wrong. Okay. So we we were IRTC right through the 1990s as we, as this new commercial Radio and television IRTC sector. was the Independent Radio, Radio and Television Commission. Okay, remember having a debate one time about the word "independent." Did it mean that you were independent of government, or did it mean that you were the regulator for the independent sector? Oh, was it referring to you or the sector? Exactly. So my view was that it was we should be we were an independent body. Yeah. But others might have had a different view. Ah, okay. But I think I think in, in, and I mean I, independence of a regulatory body is is incredibly important and you sure. see that in uh, even as the BAI you you would regulate both uh what would be seen as the the uh, public service the public and, and the, the, uh, commercial. the commercial and indeed the and yeah. the community there's three strands so if you had kept the now. name it would definitely at this stage refer to the body Our independence yes, but it probably wouldn't have been an appropriate name for for the way the organization Okay so when developed. did it become the BAI it became the, the BAI in two thousand nine. We had it. We had a we had a second iteration oh. in the middle. We had a we were the BCI. 
Okay. Which oh. is the Broadcasting Commission. Commission. That's right. And the so there was an evolution each time. I mean, the evolution in, in the BCI was the um, we were given responsibility for codes and rules. Um, there were a number of other initiatives. The, the Sound and Vision, the funding scheme for programming, that that developed during our time as the BCI. Want to come back to that um, in a while? We'll yeah. come back. To, but so so there were. It was a sort of a step change from just simply being the 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 licensing body. We we had to, I suppose, and and really, you once the first licensing was done, you needed to evolve as an organisation, mm. and so we evolved. That was into kind of the heavy areas. lifting was done at that exactly, stage. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was a sector established, and it was it was. I mean, it was doing. I mean, in the early two thousands, it was a very very successful un- until the the the, the recession. That old recession in oh eight. That old nasty recession in oh eight. It was a really really strong sector. So the BAI um, now. So we came in just to, to, to finish that, but yeah. we, we, BAI established in 2009. The reason for BAI was uh, back in the, in the early th- 2000s, there was a complaint made to Europe about, the, about RT, about how they were effectively a self-regulated entity, okay. getting taxpayers' money, license fee money, yeah, yeah. and effectively with no control in the marketplace. Now, the, now at the, the, the time the government would have argued that the RT authority as it was was effectively the regulator of the R- of RT, but in actual in in reality, the RT authority was the board of RT. Okay, it it, it, yeah, it yeah. ran the, yeah, the yeah. it ran yeah, the company. Um, so Europe, as it does, it considered the complaints not just from Ireland, by the there was ones from the Netherlands and some other country, which uh, eludes me at the moment. But there were three complaints around the the role of public service broadcasters, and the government, the Europe issued a, a, a commercial commun- a, a communication in 2007 which is to say there needed to be an oversight regime for public broadcasters that the one that was there simply wasn't sufficient so that's how the BAI came about and really the the main additional function that we had was the oversight of public service broadcasters and there's a whole range of functions which which we okay, have as a okay. result of that. So we, you'll see that there's sort of three stages of evolution. Yeah, transitions. And yeah, yeah. transition. And we'll be, sometime in the next couple of years, we'll head into a fourth. Oh, what what can you tell me about the fourth yet? I can tell you what's going to, what's happening from a, a, a European legislation point of view, which is the Audiovisual Media Services Directive, which will bring our friends in the likes of Facebook, YouTube, uh, on-demand services like Netflix into some form of regulatory oh, wow. regime, but as to what that's going to be and how it'll be enforced and how it will be enforced, that's that's at that early stage. The, the direct the directive was approved, the final version of the directive was approved literally three weeks ago, mm. um, but it will take probably until the end of this year for it to be put in. I, I think put, when it goes into the official journal of the EU, yeah, it's that's when the clock starts. And at that point, Ireland will have 21 months to implement some regulatory regime for the new services. So, so it'll be an EU-wide regulatory yes, programme. it will. And how have the online media companies reacted to it? Well, it's, been, it's taken more than three years for it to come to this stage. Mm. So I think that they're accepting that there is, there's going to be some form of regulatory regime. Because it's the Wild West yeah. out there at the moment. So I think the issue is going to be um, how far that goes. And I think that's where the, a lot of the debate will be and how it's done. Right. How do you regulate these these entities? And of course, Europe is looking at Ireland because most of these are based here. head office. Yeah. They're located here. Yeah, so yeah. that would be our next change. Wow, that um, sounds to me like 
a huge challenge. Yeah. Now, whether that will be, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm, suggest, I'm saying our next change. I mean, whether it will be the BAI or a different var- mm. variation or an animal of some sort or class or color or description, I don't know. But that is the next uh, evolution that will take place in, in, in regulation of media. Why do we need regulation in the media? Why not just leave it to the market? Um, I think if you look at things like the the, the digital news report, I, I think it is things like public service broadcasting. It is things like news. It is plurality. It's those type of issues. It's how do you sustain? Do you, as far as I do, you, do you consider that that's a valuable thing? Can the market not do so, that? So probably not. I would think probably not. I think I think I mean look. What you've got to try and do in, in what we do is there is a balance between the market. You must let the market, give the market freedom and freedoms. But it, it, it's, it's also about, uh, and it's not protection, it's not this awful nanny statism. It's mm. not about that. It is about ensuring that there is choice, that there is a mix of voices, there is a mix of, you know, there's alternative views. Because if you let the market decide, it, it, it will inevitably tend to, to sort of move towards the centre. There are other elements then. There are things I would have thought it would have moved mm. towards the extremes. Mm. I would have thought, like in the States, where you have, you know, the shouty right-wing networks, and yeah. like, they, they're certainly not centrist. They're not, they're not. Um, I, I suppose it, in terms of, yeah, you could have a regime like that, but yeah. I mean, again, is that a good regime? I, 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 would, not, I would think not. No, I would think not. And I, 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 I'm I, not sure how many people here would want that. I would say, you see, I think there should be a balance. I think there should be, you should, you should allow space for the... Yeah, the, the, whatever the, balance you get, no one will be happy with, of course. Well, that's true, yeah. But I, I, I think at least if you have, you know, the concept of public broadcasting, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, in, in Ireland, as you know, it's not just the public bro- service broadcasters do public service broadcasting. It's done by, the, by our, our commercial stations as well and their obligations. So I, I think it's... it's what is the type of regime that you want? What mm. do people want? So we regularly, because we're not, it's not just the opinion of Michael O'Keefe here. I mean, if it was... <laughs> Sitting in your you'd penthouse say, suite. You'd say, get lost now. Come on. What, 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 what are you, you're, you're in your ivory... This is an ivory tower. People can't see this, but it is an ivory tower, as, as you it's can see the, here. It's the simplest, uh, <laughs> plainest ivory tower I've been in in ages. Seen. It's... Um, it is about... I mean, we, so we, we, we would regularly survey people. What is it that they want? And I mean... They want, they do want a regulated se- sector. They do want to know that when the 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 news that they look at or the listen to and the ads that they see, that there is some, you know, that there there is they are legitimate. Do they want to pay their license? Um, they they do want to pay their license. I think that, that if you there's an the interesting. The Swiss had an interesting yeah. referendum. Uh, was yes, it earlier and, and, and this and year they, or they, last year? They voted year? to keep the license. To keep the TV and license. I, and by the way, I think that would the same result would happen here. Because I, I think people, when they're asked the question, it's an interesting thing. What they, I, I had a fascinating conversation with somebody recently about he was a relation of mine. He says, you're in that lot. You're up there with that lot. He says, aren't you? That, and I know, I know when I hear that, I'm in trouble. There's trouble coming. And he said, I was looking at the, the, um, I was looking at the schedule of RT2 there recently. And he said there was, from the beginning of the day to the end, was nothing on the other repeats. Hmm. So I decided, I said, well, look, I said, Here's the problem, I said, you have to fund programming. So if you want to have new new children's programming, if you want to have new drama, if you want to have new new comedy, things of that nature, I said, you got to fund it. I said, and that's, I said, why license fee is there to help support 
programs to do it. And it hasn't gone up like in it hasn't gone up in ten years. Ten years. And I said that's why there's a call for it to be increased. And he was what? I mean it was he said he said, and I look at that for a Tuberty, he said, and all the money he's getting, and it's it's it, it, they couldn't, he couldn't, and it's 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 a thing you come across, and you, we come across it in our research as well. They can't, they value what they see, what people see on ra- on t- TV and here on radio, mm. but this paying the stars thing, yeah, it's a real bugbear for for people, yeah, yeah. And no matter, I mean, and I know Artie argued that that, that 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 point very well, but it's funny that that Joe or Mary public, when they're looking at, they say. We, we couldn't do without the programming that our public broadcaster delivers. But you shouldn't be paying those guys all oh, this big money. But it's, they it's won't say the same about other companies no. where the people who are being paid the big bucks aren't in the public eye. They won't say that, no. And it, it is a stra- it is a, it's, it was It was quite stark in a piece of research we did a couple of years ago about all the questions. So they ra- when, you, when you asked how they rated, they were high on such a range of things like mm-hmm. news, like value, like... Um, all the different programming dimensions. Yeah. But there was a question then around the licence fee and the, there was a resistance to, not so much to paying it, but, but certainly paying more and then seeing what it was, was going towards. I would be in agreement with them that all those yeah. hoodlums should be paid less and that I should get more of it. <laughs> That's true. I'll have yeah. words. <laughs> have words, have words. <laughs> we'll sort it but uh, kind of like Irish water and leakage, um, one of the main licence fee problems is the amount of unpaid like yep. yeah, people the, the the collection rate is is too low. low. It's, it's a bit it's on the low. Very low. Yeah. Is there anything can be done about that? Is that part of the BAI's it's remit? It's not part of the BAI's remit. We have we did recommend when the house the household charge was first mooted back in the 2012-13. Which would have covered, covered all yeah. online and broadcast. Yes, yeah, we we uh, did media. support that. We felt that people can watch and listen. Mm. In any way, now you don't. It's not the old. I mean, I know. I know, viewership and listenership is still primarily to the traditional modes of doing it. But the amount of people who are not watching television, yeah. who are watching on their laptop, or exactly. Phone, and yeah. the principle is that that you know that you're paying for the content. You're not paying for the the TV. You buy the TV in your local mm. shop. You're paying for the content. So therefore, in order to make good content, you need to pay. What for What happened that. that household fee? It. It. I think it got it got caught up in the. Uh, the whole water charge issue ah, at a time okay. when people, you know, were saying not another charge. They were under the cosh. They were under the cosh. Mm. Th- times were very tough. It was the, it was t- 2012, 2013. Yeah, yeah. It just got cut up in that. Um, I would have had a view back then and shared it unofficially, at least with some of my colleagues in in the department, that you could have introduced it had you reduced it. So reduce the actual fee and introduce the charge at the same time. So you're selling it as... It's less than the licence fee, less but, than the but license more people fee. will pay it. But, but it. but it's fairer because everybody mm. pays for it. They, To be fair, I think the, the, the officials would have had some sympathy for that idea. The politicians just... The, the, I mean, the, and rightly so, I suppose, the water charges. Yeah, okay. I think scared the living daylights out of them. Where does the BAI get funded from? Do you? I know there is the Sound and Vision Fund, which takes seven percent of the license fee, the TV license yeah. fee for for programming. But where does the rest of the BAI funding come from? We get it from the um, the sector. They pay a levy. They pay. Um, it's a levy on their income, and it's so in the case of RT, it's both their license fee and their and and their commercial income. In the case of the commercial sector, it's a it's a levy on their their commercial income. 
um, and it's we calculate we we set a budget every year. Um, in fact, we set a three-year budget, uh, but obviously then that that has to be modified. Um, we're do we'll do that process now. We have it completed by the end of September, and then we so we let them know what the total is, and then it gets prorated based on their their and it's based on their income. Okay. So they they're Everyone audited pays accounts. their fair share. Yeah, every based on their audited accounts for the previous year. I mean that's it's kind of a previous year model because mm. it, it works. So it's a very fair system. Um, it, it, if you if you I mean the, the the sector doesn't want to pay it. They feel we should be. <laughs> they feel we should be funded from. There's the, a surprise. I was going to, I was going to ask you are they willing pays payers? Well, to be fair, they're 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 good payers. Right. They do pay. They sometimes we have the odd. Um, is it recalcitrant one? Is that the is that the term I can use that, hmm. that 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 is reluctant? But to be fair, they all pay. Okay. And um, you know, obviously, it's important for us that the likes of RT, TV3, uh, TG Carhart, the big players then in the commercial sector like the Wireless Group or Communicorp, that they are pair and they are good payers. Um, they give out about it, hmm. but they they do, and I think they recognise that the system is fair. Okay. I think what they'd like to do is change the system and have us funded by the exchequer or even some part funded by the exchequer and then the the i mean what the commercial sector would say is is pay it pay for us out of the license fee or the exchequer or both but don't take anything from us does dealing with complaints take up a lot of the bai's time i i get the feeling it does i mean complaints about programming complaints about certain incidents what people say, how how people are treated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Does that take up a, a large swathe of your time? It takes up a good bit of time, but not as much as people might think. It's there are certain areas where we get a lot of complaints and certain topics, but then it that goes away. And then, generally speaking, um, because broadcasters have to say this, give them some credit here. They they actually are good at like they're required to be fair and balanced and all of these things and they're actually good at doing that they've got experienced so generally speaking most of what they do whether you like it or don't like it is is fair and it, it does comply with the rules that are there i bet you during so, referendums like we had a while ago i'll bet you that's when complaints peak you do you 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 get an increase but interestingly enough in the last the, the last one we got complaints to the we, we we divide it between we have the compliance committee which are the the major ones and we have the executive complaints forum and the executive complaints forum now they their decisions are submitted to the compliance committee and they have a they can look at them and say yes we're happy with that or no we're not but they deal with most of the the standard complaints and a lot of the complaints say on the last referendum would have gone to the executive complaints. What kind forum. of complaints are we talking about? It was it was one side suggesting the other the the, the other was treated unfairly, hmm. um, but generally speaking, when when that's reviewed, the, we review how the program is run, and in general terms, we would say no, that wasn't the case, and we wouldn't uphold the complaint. And do you have to stand back and take the bigger picture from not just that one program when you're talking about balance, but the entire week of that program or the the months surrounding well the we we'll ask the broadcaster to say that we we will say what's your because you can you can say there's a related program now there was one instance which shall remain nameless not in the last referendum but in, in a couple of years ago where there was the the broadcaster tried to argue that there was a related program then when we looked at it the related program was about two months later 
So we said, okay. well, that's not a related programme. Or if it went out at three o'clock you know, in the morning. That and they said, yeah, yeah, but the guy went on holidays and yeah. that was the first opportunity to have it, have it on again. And yeah. we said, look, that's, sure. that, that doesn't work. That's not a related Despite programme. Despite your best efforts. Yeah, it's not, it's, okay. it's, we, we, we okay. don't. So that's, that's how we, we would deal with those. And you'll always get complaints. They're going to be around for. And in referendums, you'll always get complaints. But even in day-to-day. You know, Day to day, you will. I mean, and it's what mo- kind of complaints do you know? What, what's your most common complaint, or is there such a thing? The most common are on, on fairness and right. objectivity, less so on, on program standards. And right. you know, I mean, we get, we get some complaints, less, less complaints about taste and decency. I think people accept that. I mean, I'd, I'd always have a view that if there's a comedian that's offending you at half ten on a Tuesday night and RT2, then switch off and switch put on your remote other, control is switch for. onto some other channel yeah, yeah. and don't be don't be bothered getting yourself worked up to being offended by mm. him or her whoever they may be wait till they hear the old you know? shite that's on podcasts on well, the that's, internet that's <laughs> I know I know exactly so, <laughs> that's, that's it. Um, so I mean it is like what what the people in the past would have classed taste and decency and harm and offence there's, there's less of that I'm not saying it doesn't it doesn't exist but there is less of that um, funding programmes you're involved in as well with the Sound and Vision Fund. How does yep. that work? And I have to be nice to you here because obviously I regularly apply, apply either via yep. production companies or myself. So um, that's why I'm being nice to you throughout this that's entire fine. interview. So the in- you know, entire that's interview. the only reason I'm doing this is to get more money out of you. How, how, do, <laughs> how does that work? Well, we have two schemes. Um, the first one is the, the most, the one that you're familiar with and most people are familiar with is the, is the Sound and Vision funding scheme we run a couple of rounds here as we're funded we have seven percent of the license fee mm-hmm. is given to the bai to run these schemes so we have the sound and vision scheme and we have the archiving scheme which is archiving is about archiving of programs and we we run it's a smaller scheme i regularly have conversations with people about how we didn't value archive yeah back in the day we like didn't no, no my first television yeah. appearance was as a 13 mm. year old Almost thirteen. Yeah. Ham Sunday Mass, nineteen seventy four. Sink came into RT studio. Yeah, yeah, sang and read a prayer of the faithful with the school <laughs> on Pam Sunday Mass in one of the television studios in RTE. There's no copy Lost of that forever because it went out live. RTE didn't yeah, keep yeah. a copy because tape was very expensive yeah. back then, yeah. and there was no home video recording. There was no domestic so videos yeah, back in seventy four. So it's yeah. gone. It's it's gone. And I mean, we can recreate it yeah. someday. And a lot of the a lot of the stuff. I mean, there's great work being done by the IFI, you know, the Irish mm. Film Institute, which is preserving. And in fact, we gave, we they were one of the big. Um, they got a, a, a big grant from us for the ads. You probably saw mm, that. I did. It's I saw now on their, their player, yeah, and it's yeah. fantastic stuff from ads. So you via the archive funding, you, we would have funded you, that. You will you will give money to people who will use it to preserve material. old, old material yeah, that is, may is, be decaying is, is in because danger of, of being yeah, lost. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the the very first ones we we funded through that scheme were the Ryark, the Ryark series of documentaries from the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, and we 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 funded a, the whole raft of that over the last number of years and then things like news programming from the 80s the 90s that's all on film that can deteriorate yes, that deteriorates rapidly mm. um, and uh, TG Carr we've done a number of initiatives for them but there's great potential in that but it, it is a more niche that's for the area. industry it's it is for the industry, yeah. Uh, yeah. But for what people see on screen, the making of programmes, how long has the Sound and Vision Fund been running? It's been how running. are we talking about money-wise? It's been running since 2005. Um, we, and we generally, I mean, it, it was initially 5% of the, the license fee. It's now 7%. So we've been giving out roughly about, into the scheme, about 10 to 12 million per annum. 
So over 13 years, that's a significant amount mm. of money and a significant amount of And what are the criteria? It is to be um, programming of uh, culture, heritage, experience, the Irish experience, which occasionally we have um, interpreted rather loosely. The Irish experience. <laughs> I looked at a program one time and I said, and it said, came up at the end and it said, that funded by the BNI. I said, Jesus, how in the name of God did we fund that? What, <laughs> what, what criteria? What did they tick? What box did yeah, they t- yeah, tick? Yeah. But anyway, and we laughed about it in here afterwards and they felt it was a good project, so we should be funding it. But mm. it, it would be, so th- there's, so they're the, the criteria. Then we have it, the format would be documentary, drama. We do fund entertainment projects, children's animation media literacy. Are these the kind of projects that you would feel wouldn't get made if the Sound and Vision Fund wasn't That's there? That's the principle. And I mean, we, we will, the, the, the principle is that it is, it, without our funding, it wouldn't be supported. It, and we, we would sometimes be one funder of, of you know, we, we would encourage partnerships for bigger projects. So, um, and sometimes we'd give a small amount of money just to give a little extra to um, to a programme. Like, for instance, we, we gave a small amount, and it was very small, uh, to the Young Offender series, ah. which had significant funding from the BBC. What per, per, what percentage of the budget would your small amount of funding? In, our, in that one, it was tiny, and I don't know what it was, but it was very small. But it was just, again, to add, I mean, what it would be used for then is, is maybe from, from, you know, scenes, you know, give, giving a little bit more uh, value outdoor scene. I mean, there's a lot of outdoor shots, you know. Yeah, that. yeah. So something like that we, we can okay. add to it. So you're giving money to projects for... Yeah. Uh, commercial television and radio and RTE projects as well. And there are those who say, hang on a minute, RTE gets its funding from uh, the licence fee, the 7% it's creamed off should go entirely to the commercial uh, end of the market. Except that the, the, the money, the vast majority of the money goes to the independent production sector. And that's the key thing. I think it's going, I mean, what, what, what's... Why doesn't it all go to it? Um, said he playing devil's advocate entirely here just for divilment because because I think I think it's an open application process and if you as a broadcaster say I want to apply for this mm. on my own in the case of television I'd say 95% if not more is to the independent production sector the, the, the independent producers apply they but get, they may they, be making programs for RTE that's what RTE, I'm saying yeah. yeah. what I'm saying is we let them choose that okay, we but let what, them make that call but what I'm saying is there are those out there who rightly or wrongly, think that this fund is for those who can't afford to make uh, public service broadcasting normally. Mm. And the likes of the commercial radio stations don't have budgets for documentaries. RTE does. It has a documentary unit. Mm. Why, they would say, are you funding documentaries and programmes that turn out come out in RTE? Because they can afford to make them anyway. Well, what I'd say, just, I mean, again, from the commercial radio perspective, it's, it's quite interesting, actually. The I, I think it's a different issue with, with commercial radio because I, I think the we have a requirement that it doesn't fund news mm-hmm. programmes and we also have a requirement that you broadcast it in peak time. And I think that's the biggest issue for the commercial radio sector. They don't like, they don't like the, the peak time being... Peak time is between 7 a.m. and 7 7 p.m. on radio. On radio. It's very different on television. It is, yeah. yeah. 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. all week. And I I don't believe, I think that's... And they're the the hours that are locked down. They're the one, the big name broadcasters have their programs. And trying to get a new program away in there, there are very few slots. 
Absolutely. And I think that, but what we say is that if you want to, to get funding, we will provide funding for programming, but it must be given a wider audience, which is the, the, the peak time audience. Rather than 3 a.m. Rather than 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And that's a choice that they have to make. You know, they, mm. they so I mean, to give, I mean, just to, the, the interesting thing about the radio, we're undersubscribed for radio. We could give more money to radio. We, we, do, we do a sort of a, like we allocate, we say we will give 10%, between 10 and 15% to radio in each round. So because we say- it's a lot less expensive to exactly. make so per we, hour. We yeah. would give you, we would give 85% yeah. of the fund to television and we'd give up to 10, 15% mm. to radio. And we rarely give out the 15%. Oh, wow. oh, really? Because radio doesn't, and to me, and to me it's not about the, the the type of program we'll approve because we'll approve we'll 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 fund it if it's if it's good quality, mm. it's that they're not submitting it because they don't want to run it in peak time. Yeah, uh, I, I and that's I the, said that very same thing yeah. during the uh, Reuters Institute Digital News Report yeah. thing that we did together the mm. other week, um, where people asked about podcasts and why they were so popular. Yeah, and they're cheap to make and there aren't the slots. There's, you don't have to worry um, about slots. Well, there but, are, but there yeah. aren't the slots, there, yeah. peak time slots yeah. for programmes on radio because, yeah. they're, as I said, they're taking they, they, it's, it's very, I mean, it's formulaic. It's, it, 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 your, your schedule is the same mm -hmm. Monday to Friday. And it, it, it's all, ra I mean, radio, opera, I mean, television, there's a bit more freedom in television. Well, they do shorter runs of programmes. Yes, yeah. Pat Kenny's on all year, you yeah. know, Tubbs is on all year. Exactly. Miriam exactly. is on every Saturday, yeah. you know, Marion, whatever. So they don't, they're on they, all they year. They don't want to, even if, if we're paying for a program that, that could be broadcast, and there's a reluctance to bring it in, yeah. in into that. And that's, that's an, and someone says that's an issue for the sector because I, our view, our argument would be that if you're giving money, public money, to mm. make a program, then you should make it accessible it to a wide. It should be heard. It should be heard. It should be heard. And I mean, if you don't yeah. put a peak time requirement on it, then you're right. It, it, it probably will be at three o'clock in the morning when uh, nobody's listening. Let's talk about um, what we're doing here, which is uh, a podcast. It's uh, online broadcasting, so yep. to speak. You don't regulate this area at all. We can say fucking damn and shit and wank and piss and et cetera, et cetera. You could, yeah. But people have said to me, they're in the middle of something, they go, oh no, damn, fuck. And I go, they, they look at me in horror and they go, can I say that? And I go, it's the internet, you can say what you want. You don't regulate this. You don't attempt to... Um, and yet, as we found out the other week, as I said, I gave mm. you a hand to launch the um, uh, Reuters Institute Digital News Report uh, for Ireland for 2018 that you did, guys did in conjunction with Fujo out in DCU. Um, and the podcast listening in Ireland is surprisingly strong. Were, were, mm. were, were you surprised with that? Um probably was a little bit I mean it is an online survey so it does elevate the, the, the figures a little bit but it's still it was it was high it was good and it does I, I would feel that it does underplay a little bit the 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 the, 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 the more traditional media because because it, it, it is it is surveyed online but it's still I mean and but taking that into account I mean mm. and, and allowing for that yeah. so like for instance radio would be higher in the JNLR survey Okay. Than it is in that because survey. that's a face to face. Because that's yeah, a face to face, yeah. and and but allowing for that, it's still very strong. It's okay. still very so high. So podcasts are doing how well in Ireland? Um, they're doing. I'd have to look at the the, the you have to you, look you have there's the, the book you in have front, them here in front, the book in front of me in front of me in front of me. I seem to so I I, I, I will, flick through it there. I will. No, it says it here. We have a little piece at the beginning actually. 
because we did cover podcasts. You, you summarised. I did, it. I did. I should know all this you off should, by heart. You should have done your homework. Shocking, shocking. I think it's slightly... That's is it. it in that press release? That's it was in, in our press release, actually. There you that's go. what it was. It was in Which the press is, release. Because uh, I did talk about podcasts. Aha, uh-huh, there we go. Go on. He's edited the last piece <laughs> out completely. <laughs> and uh, he said that uh, we have it, 38% of those served in Ireland listen to podcasts. It's 33% in the US. It's only 18% in the UK and the, U, the EU average is 27%. So we're so above we're, we're well average. above yeah, and, yeah. and uh, you know it's really really strong and there is more detail in the book itself if we could find it because it, it does give a little bit of so when you that. when you talked earlier about regulating some of the online media companies as the next phase of the BAI's work further down yep. the line you know coming around the corner would this be an area that you that podcasts might be something that they could would include it there only in the context i would say i mean europe is very clear in terms of content on new services it's around things like protection of minors hate speech incitement to hate mm. terrorism those areas i don't think it will ever get into the the sort of the more detailed rules and regulations that we have for the traditional media so we wouldn't have to have balance in the same way no, and as, I, I, as a radio. You wouldn't, no. Yeah. And, I, and I don't, to be honest, I don't see that happening. Taste and decency wouldn't have to be considered in the same way. Other than that it is it is protection of children, protection okay. of minors, you know, incitement, hatred. That uh, I okay. think that's the view generally taken with, with, with new media, that it, it is those type of rules and regulations. Now, they are, I mean, the AVMS has gone a bit further with... Um, with um, rules on, on content, on European content. So, for instance, net, I mean, using Netflix as the example, uh, there, is a, there is a proposal in the directive that they would have 30% of their catalogue would be European content, which is, you know, that's, that's significant. Wow, okay. You know. So they would have to invest heavily in they would, yeah. Europe. Yeah. That's like the Canadians are very strong on protecting they are their in, media. And, They're and traditional, think, and for the, the same the, the same principle therefore would apply to to online to online in in, in, a, in a European context. And I think okay. that's the intention there. So things like that. How worried are we as consumers about um, fake news from the report? Well, I mean, it, it's um, misinformation. As you're 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 now you're not you're not to, our disinformation. I should say uh, is is the correct title. Um, uh, I must so tell that to Donald Trump. You must tell that. It's not fake news anymore. It's mm. disinformation. We are concerned. I mean, there's more than half, uh, 57% of Irish news consumers are concerned about disinformation, which is very similar to the UK. It's 58%. Um, and then there was another interesting one. There are 61% of Irish said they were very or extremely concerned about stories made up for political or commercial reasons. Um but interestingly enough, only 17% recalled seeing this. That's what intrigued me yeah, about yeah, it, that we, yeah. we are, it, it, like crime, we're more worried about the notion of crime than the, actual, than the, actuality, the actuality of the it. Actuality and likewise it, yeah. with misinformation or fake news or whatever you want to call it, yeah. that we, we, we're concerned about the notion. Because the, the term is used so yeah, much, it's the yeah, idea yeah. of it. And, uh, but in actual fact, give me an example of it when you ask somebody, well, give me an example of that. But surely good misinformation or good fake news, you're not aware of it. Well, that's and it's maybe like that's, special yeah. effects in a movie. So I, I think we need to do more. Need to dig deeper into there was some another, of these results. There perhaps, was another you know? area uh, that I was intrigued by in the report, and that was trust in 
the media trust in news. We're good. We trust our media yeah. more so than a lot of other areas. Certainly yes. the states, uh, hands down. We yep. tr- and I, on the day, questioned whether that was necessarily mm. a good thing because um, every media outlet has a business model yeah. and has a way of doing things and has an agenda that works around that. So there, there's no such thing as media objectivity. And I think that's yeah. why, for instance, the whole Trump and alt-right people are pushing against an open mm-hmm. door. People know that their media aren't giving him, them the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. They yes. all have agendas. Uh, and they've exploited that weakness. Um, so that's, that's trust is an interesting thing. Is, is the fact that there's high trust necessarily a good thing is it blind trust well no i I think it is a good thing but i I think it it does does show the importance of i mean one of our objectives is plurality and that plurality is about a mix of voices and 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 i think that's is plurality also about a mix of ownership mix of sorry it's it's more than voice it's a mix of voices it's a mix of ownership it's a mix of opinions Mm. so you don't get the same but if you if everyone who owns the business a radio station whatever are running it as a private business Mm. apart from rte and they're running it so that they don't step on the toes of government because they won't renew their license fee etc etc um if they're all running it with the same objectivity uh, objective Yes, they're all running it to make a profit. They all they all have a business program. None of them have. But they must comply. With, sure, but they, but they must comply with rules and. and but and they're all singing from the same hymn, hymn sheet. There, there isn't mm. the ver- like the trade unions don't run any stations. The homeless organisations don't run stations or don't have programs on them. They all have business programs. Yes. So, yep. variety of ownership only works if it's. True variety of ownership up to a certain point. It does. You're right. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's it's, and I mean, you can you can. You're right. I mean, I think your point is that you can still you can comply with the BAI rules. Yeah. Um, but you're not. That doesn't necessarily mean that all the voices. And I suppose that's why we talk about. It. I mean, we do in our in our plurality piece. We talk about a mix of voices, opinions, ownership. It's it's broader than that. Like and watching we are the, developing watch, watching the World yeah. Cup. Brian Kerr, you know, was yeah. doing superb analysis. Yes, and people yeah. were given out on social media about yeah. Brian. Kerr. That's because he's a good, strong, working class That's right. Dublin That's accent. Right, yeah. Yeah. And they weren't used to it. We're not used to hearing a variety of no, classes no, no. on. It's all. Mind you, if you listen to today, if I'm every Saturday during the soccer season, you'll hear Brian Kerr. He does every Saturday. On, on, on so he's program. on, you know, there's a working yeah. class voice sport. Every, yes, you can yeah. do it in sport. Yes, yeah, okay, no, I, I take the point. Do you know what I, I mean? Take the point. So yeah. uh, I, 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 I think there's a lot more work yeah. in that trust area. Well, I think a, I think you've yeah. scraped the surface. There's a lot more work in the plurality area, mm. and I think we are just just I suppose it is it is one of our objectives in the strategy statement. We are developing a plurality policy, which will look at that. Bro- it's not just about ownership. Ownership is one dimension, but we look at those other other dimensions and okay. a lot of the things we can do, like media literacy, is yeah. an area where we've done a lot of work. That's going to help with with plurality. I would have thought. Except that media literacy will benefit those mostly who can go to college or who read a lot, or who are the white middle class educated. Well, yeah, there, I mean, it, it will, but there is it, it, it is broader than, and it is intended to be broader than that. Intended or will be? It will be. It will be. It will be. <laughs> We've only just started. Um, what's your own background? I, I saw the awful phrase in an interview that I, I read oh uh, uh, in online. One of the 
it was the Indo. Yeah. They called you a career civil servant. I know. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, but I, I said, that's how... How, how did, did you get... Out. Like, you haven't a history of making programmes. Oh, no, no, I wasn't. And I'm, now yeah. you're regulating the I know, industry. I know, yeah. Do people give you a flack over that? No, they don't. I suppose I've been... Can I've been, I start? I've been, doing it, I've been doing it for so long, Pat, you know. Like, it's almost... So, I mean... So how did you get... Like, well, I, I was a civil servant. Yeah, and I was involved in. Um, and I won't bore you too much of this, but I was involved. I, I was involved. I worked in an organisation which is has, has now a different name, but it was it was the Civil Service Training Centre. Mm. So I used to give training courses. I was in that 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 organisation for four years uh, in the mid eighties, and then at the end of it, and this is where where fate. Fate takes a hand, oh, Pat. Oh, it does, absolutely. Yeah, at yeah. the end of that, I, I was due my, my, what's called my parent department at the time was the department of, it was then called Fisheries and Forestry. Um, but Forestry, which is the Forest Service, was being established as a semi-state body, which it now is Quilte. That was established at that time. So they had their numbers for the, the semi-state and they had no place for me. So I remember my boss called me in one day and he said, he said, they can't take you back there. He said, their numbers are full. Um, he said, you can stay here for another couple of years uh, if you like. He said, you're doing a good job. Said, Thank you. Um, or he said, there's a couple of other areas. He said, "There's uh, you could go to the Department of Health. And I said, no, thanks. Because the Department of Health was <laughs> yeah. had that kind of reputation then and now. And he said, there, he said the Department of Communications are setting up a, a body to, to regulate uh, radio and TV. I said, what's involved? Well, he said, you know, the, all the pirates, he said. They're going to be setting up a, a legal regime. That sounds good, I said. That sounds interesting. But you had no background in broadcasting. None at all. No. Do you think that helped you? I think I think it did because of the, the because I mean effectively it was a, very much the it was a process driven organisation at the beginning. It was about moving from an illegal regime mm. to a legal regime and all that that, that entailed and about ensuring that people complied with rules and regulations. So I think it actually. It might had I been in broadcasting, it might have hindered. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. I think I think obviously I had to learn as 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 things went on. Mm. I mean, and, and and learn along the way. And I've I've now learned. I mean, I've now, now been a lot longer in the uh, <laughs> in this area than I've been in the career civil service area. But right. it was it was um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a, it was a complete change. And I did. I mean, I I could have gone back had it not worked out. Um, I had the opportunity. I would have had the opportunity to go back into the, my. Career uh, the old safety role. net of the civil service. I had service. that for a while, yeah. and eventually, yeah. when I got the the the, the main job, I, I was told you you have to make a choice now. Right. Are you, you still part? Is the BAI still part of civil service? No, no. Oh, really? We're we're we're, we're what we're, our our correct uh, title is a non-commercial semi-state agency. So if you like, RT is a commercial state yeah. body. We're a non-commercial semi-state agency. Semi-state. So we are independent of government. Um, we so for instance, I'd have to go before the Public Accounts Committee representing the BAI, I'd have to go before the Joint Oireachtas Communications Committee. We re- we have do a, must do a report to the, the Minister and we must submit her accounts and all of that. But they can't. Minister couldn't direct us to do something. Could he fire you? No. But the but my board could fire me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be nice to my board. Um, we mentioned um, the recession earlier. I just want to finish up on this. We mentioned yeah, yeah. the recession and the impact that had. Um, I was very surprised the impact that Brexit had on uh, the Irish media. Mm. Like RTE lost a fortune in advertising because the big brands, 
advertise via their yes. com- via London. Yeah. And so their spending is in sterling. And when the Irish fell out yeah. of sterling, it impacted RTEs. Oh, and, and, uh, and TV3. And TV3, well. yes. I mean, I, they, I, would be, they would have been hit. And yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, have you a role here? Because of Brexit is also, there's talk of, uh, like there was talk of Discovery or some of the other big networks that are London-based, yep. leaving London and possibly coming to Dublin because of Brexit. Yeah, we. I mean, we've had. I'd say over the last two years, because Brexit is is gone. It's gone for a long time mm-hmm. now. At this stage, it is. It is two years, isn't it? Since it's that famous yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah. So, certainly in the last year, we had a lot of groups inquiring. What they're doing though is that they're 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 holding fire. They're they're still playing it. I, I think October will be a critical point. Why October? Because I think at that point there will either be a deal, okay. or there won't. And I think they're they're all. They would be hopeful that there will be a deal on broadcasting that basically that the licenses that they hold from the UK will still be will will, will still be okay for carriage across Europe. Across I mean that's okay. what that's what the UK does. It, it it licenses I think about up to five or six hundred stations which are not transmitted in the UK. They're transmitted all over Europe. Mm. And they're the groups who may need to move. So Discovery, for example, um Discovery have maybe thirty or forty channels. But there are none of them, except their main ones would be in the UK. The rest are all over different parts of Europe. They will need a license if there's not a deal. Because their license that they have currently from Ofcom will no longer be sufficient to get them carried on the other 27 And you have countries. been wooing them? We've been wooing. We we had a meet. The IDA were very keen, so we 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 strapped on the green jerseys with the IDA, and we had a, a session. Strapping on that green jersey got a certain bank in a lot of trouble could, a while it's, ago. It could. So. It's a risky <laughs> risky thing to do. But um, we didn't promise them anything that we couldn't okay. deliver. We but our, our the the regulatory regime is quite similar, because obviously in television, like most of the UK broadcasters are brought um, are carried here as well. So we met them. We met, and then we've had, I mean, regularly. I mean, once. Can a month. you name names? Well, we we. I mean, people like Discovery did did talk to us. Um, there's a number of uh, group called Viasat, CNN. We're we're looking at other uh, at, at other jurisdictions. You're one where it's on. You're on our list. Okay. Um, they could as easily go to Amsterdam or to Paris. Yeah, and I think, for instance, I think Discovery probably would go to Amsterdam because yeah. they have a production hub there. Okay. So I think that's, you know, they're the kind of decisions they'll make. And we're we're there, I think, as a, as a as potential. Um, we might, I think it might suit some of them because they're still going to mo- keep most of their stuff in London that we're very close, but so is Amsterdam. Okay. And they'll make that kind of decision. But I think ultimately the decision they'd like to make is to stay so, where they are. Yeah. Uh, and I think October, as I said, I think that's going to be the defining moment here in this one. Where will you be in, let's not say October, but October 10 years? Um, any plans for... Will I be retired oh, uh, in October you 10 years? You don't look it, you don't. Ah, uh, no, no. You see, no, I, I've applied for funding. I'm only being nice to you guys. <laughs> um, wh- 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 what's your own personal career plans? Um, well, I'm go- I mean, I, I'm... How long more are you going to annoy the poor old broadcasters? I'm certainly going to annoy them for another couple of years anyway. Mm. I'll see, you know, at that stage, Pat, what the see what the lie of the land is and whether whether it will be um whether whether I I like to something else and maybe step back from full time into something else. But I haven't made that mm. uh, you're, you're stuck with me for another couple of years anyway. 
and we'll see. I mean, the changes will be interesting. See what happens mm. with the changes. In, mm. in, in, in that'll it's be. It's a business that the rate yeah. of change is phenomenal. Yes, yeah, and I think I think certainly from from our end, you know, even how we deal with if it is to be us, because the government has to decide on on who does this. Um, but if it is to be us, how we deal with the new media, because because they're all based here. And we'd, we'd have to have an engagement and a relationship with them and just developing that. So that that will, my my best estimate is that that'll happen, uh, that'll kick in by towards the end of 2020. So we'd see, and I think there will be some change at that point. So we'll see then at that stage. I'm certainly going to be here. We, we've, a, we've our current strategy runs to the end of 19, and I'm certainly going to be here beyond that um, for another year, and we'll see after that. I'll decide then. Or, or, did, or it'll be decided start, for you. Or it might be decided for me. I might start my own podcast, Pat. They're a piece of piss. Anyone can do them. Anyone can do them. Michael O'Keefe, CEO of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pat. So, thanks again to Michael O'Keefe for our off-message chat. If you want to listen to previous episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Acast, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, and MyCloud. And they're just the ones I know of. You can sign up to get future off-message blog posts and podcasts ahead of the pack by filling out the subscription form on any individual off-message post over at patomahoney.ie. And, of course, you can follow and like Off Message on Twitter and Facebook at Off Message One. All shares and shout-outs, greatly appreciated. Till the next time, I'm Pat O'Mahony, this is Off Message, and thanks for listening. <laughs>